when we start these new years every year, probably most of you, like most of the world, comes up with a New Year's resolution, something that you want to see change, uh, something that you want to have different in your life. And statistically, you look through those and not very many of them succeed. Uh, maybe you've tried that in the past and maybe it was uh, a diet, maybe it was exercise, maybe it was reading the Bible in a year and December 31st hits and you realize you're still in Leviticus, you know? Did that really happen to somebody? I'm just kidding. Like, don't want don't to let anybody know that one, right? So, but here's the, here's the reality is we have all of these things and, and I want to, I want to, I want to challenge you to maybe think of it a little bit differently because, I mean, it's great to be able to use a day or something to say, you know what, I want to make a change. We, we all need to have changes in our life. Wouldn't we all agree? If we didn't think there was any need for any change in our life, we wouldn't be sitting here today. So there's, there, there's always room for some, some work in our life. And so one of the things that I just want to share is something that I heard a, another church sharing with theirs, like give God one year, like all in. God, this year, you are my top priority. You, your kingdom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get involved. I'm going to, you know, Lord, I'm going to surrender to, to, to allowing you to make changes in my life. Lead me, direct me. And I've, I've given that challenge several times over the course of the last several years to a lot of people. And a lot of times I'll like, hey, are we coming to that year mark yet? Like, man, when you start looking back and seeing the growth, if you could chart that growth, and you can by journaling, just throwing that out there, but you begin to chart what God is doing in your life over the course of a year. A lot of times we, we, we kind of like, well, we give God a little bit of time, right? We give him a little bit of our time, and then we get busy. And we don't have time. We've got too many other things going on in our life. And then God begins to get our leftovers. Have you ever given God leftover time? Leftover money? I don't know how you'd give him the leftover food, but I guess if he brought your leftovers to a potluck. The other day, we was cleaning out the fridge, and I'm, I'm you know, the dad, I'm looking through, I'm like, that's still good, that's still good, that's still good. And you know what this old dad did? My, my wife wasn't there, and no one was there to say stop. And... I looked at him like, oh, that's good. And I just got a pat pot out and I was like, we had some Chinese mixed in with some, I think it was pot roast. (laughs) And some things that resembled carrots in there. And I think there was a lot of onions and green beans. There was a whole thing of green beans. I just dumped all of those in there. I mean, we just like made it. it. It worked. It worked. But a lot of times we just have kind of a habit of giving God our leftovers. Maybe this year's different. God, I want you to be my first. Everything else, the world can get my leftovers. God, you get my first this year. I'm going to share one of my favorite passages. Uh, like there's different, preachers have different favorite passages for different favorite things. You know, I have my favorite Christmas passage and my favorite uh, Easter passage. This is my favorite New Year's passage. It is my favorite um, it, whenever I'm going to preach, and, and I like, I got to do this on the first. It's my favorite passage. So I started thinking. I put a quote up here. You know, you, if you can't start, uh, you can't start 
the next chapter if you keep rereading the last one. So we, we're going to talk about forgetting the past and starting a new chapter of life. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Um, the passage comes from Philippians chapter 3. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, I'm going to be going verse by verse. Uh, from chapter 3. It's one of my favorite of all time passages. And I, I was starting to think, you know, we were all making jokes. My mama was, my mama's here and we were making some jokes about, um, you know, um, I, I was starting to quote an, an old cartoon movie. I mean, when you have lots of children and they make you watch all the, the you know, cartoon movies. I was thinking of the one called Robots. And uh, so why be you when you can be new, right? So, Anyways, so corny, and it sounded like, wow, you came up with something. No, it's, most of my quotes come from cartoon movies, but, you know, when you're watching them, you, you know, I get some really good sermon illustrations every once in a while, and anyway, so, uh, so guys, we're going to be right in Philippians chapter 3. So here we go. So Paul is writing this letter to the church of Philippians, and you're, he's going to start right out of the gate, and he doesn't have some positive words right here. He goes, beware of dogs. He's not talking about dogs. He's talking about a person persons. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation, for we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. One of the things that Paul's writing, he's writing a church, so these are a bunch of Gentiles, and I'm not going to go into, um, you're looking out and seeing all the youth here today, um, not going to go into great descriptions, of, um, you know, you can ask your moms when you get home. Um, but there was an issue where the Jewish, the Jewish religious leaders were showing up into the churches and saying, if you want to get saved, you have to be circumcised. You can ask your mama what circumcision is later. That'll be a fun conversation on the drive home. But I'm never going back to that church. Um, so anyways, so um, he's saying, watch out for these people who are trying to put on extra. You know, they're trying to, try, trying to make you do extra things to be saved. Have you ever met somebody like that? That if you don't walk like them, talk like them, you ain't saved, right? I mean, we have a problem. You know, like, if you, don't, if you don't dress like me, you don't look like me, you don't talk like me, you must not be really saved because I'm the only one saved, right? I mean, that's kind of a, a and, and churches get kind of that way sometimes, don't they? If you don't look like us, you might want to find a church that might look like you. And you know what? I love, I love how at Living Water, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, you're welcome here. And, and that's, that's the heart that we want to continue to have is the heart of Christ. So he's saying, you watch out for these people, these people that are doing these things. He says, you know, if they think they have confidence, so they were showing up to church and saying, listen, I'm a Jew, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, I'm a Pharisee, and you need to do it my way. And so what was happening is, is they, were, they were walking into the church. And he goes, listen, if they think they have confidence, I have more. Then he, then he begins to explain. He says, circumcised on the eighth day, I'm of the stock of Israel. I feel like, you know, like I have sheep. So I'm like, well, I got the, you know, the sheep and you're talking about stock. It's like, you know, like a breeding lineage, right? So um, he's of good stock, you know, the Israel stock of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, he was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, he persecuted the church. Concerning righteousness, which was in the law, blameless. He says, man, I can follow the law. So he was letting them know right out of the gate, listen, he's writing this letter, he says, listen, if they come in and they say they have a reason to be, you know, cocky and, hey, this is who, do you know who I am? He says, if they think they have a reason to be like that, I have more. Oh, but this is where it gets good. But whatever were gains, 
So what I'm actually going to do today as we walk through this verse, I'm going to show you how my brain works at home. I, I open up the scripture and I start underlining things and I highlight things that pop out at me. Because when I look at this, I'm like, okay, so whatever were gains, the word were is past tense, right? We know it says whatever was in the past a gain to me. I now, present tense, but we're going to learn something that's even more significant about this. I now consider a loss for the sake. So everything that was a benefit, everything that was a, a gain in my life, everything that was in the income column, everything that was, a, was a, something that, that was what he considered good and, and, a, and a benefit in his life, he says, I now... Now, I consider it a loss. You see, this is past tense, a life before Christ. He's like, my life before Christ, it was important to be a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, uh, to, be, to be completely perfect when you're looking at the law and blameless, and, and it's good to, 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 to persecute the, all these things before Christ. But he says, now I consider, and this is perfect tense, not present tense, because perfect tense is something from the past, something happened in your past, and it had abiding results that continue now and in the future. So what something happened in his life, something happened to Paul that made something from the past and it changed everything. Hmm, I wonder what that is, right? When we read this, he's speaking of salvation. Something happened See, a lot of people, I've had so many people tell me about, well, you know, I believe in God, and, uh, you know, and, and a lot of people would say that they're saved, or they would say that they have been saved, and, 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 and different things like that. And so one of the things, I, I'm like, man, there is a moment in your life that you can go back to and say, everything changed. Just because you believe in God, if there is no change that follows that belief, you aren't there yet. There's a lot of people that aren't there yet. They've gotten pretty close, and they're like, man, I know all these things. I know how to get saved. I know the ABCs. I went to, to, to VBS. I went to Sunday school. I went to church camp, and, and a lot of people go and have an emotional experience, and they learn some things, but they have not come to the point where God has done something inside of them that changed everything. When you have Jesus in your life, it changes everything everything changes. And that's what Paul is saying. He says, man, I was a Hebrew of all Hebrews. I was a Jew. I was born, I, you know, I was born in the tribe of Benjamin. Everything in his life gave him a great resume. And he was proud of that resume. But then he met Jesus and the resume became garbage. Hmm. When he starts talking about that thing that happened in his life, there's, I'm going to take a quick pause in, in Philippians, and I want you to read this passage because he talked about that everything became a loss. It's like a, it's a loss in my life. Jesus made this statement to his own disciples. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life We'll lose it. That's a, that's a pretty tough verse for January 1st service. 
<laughs> right? You're like, wow, thanks, Daniel. I thought we were going to like, why be you when you can be new? You know, I mean, like, that sounded pretty good, you know? Why can't we talk about New Year's resolutions? I mean, when you think about it, when you think about this, what Jesus is saying is, listen, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. Because what it really is, 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 is salvation is this. God, here. This is yours. My life is yours. That's what salvation, when we start thinking about what salvation is, it's a surrendering of my life to him. God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. God, I give my life to you. So is that not a losing of my life? I'm, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. That's what it is to be saved. I'm surrendering my life. God, it's yours. What good will it be for somebody to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? See, Paul had it all. Paul had it all. He had the resume. He had the career. He had the popularity contest. Man, everybody loved Paul. He had it. But what good is it if you gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? Or can anyone give, what can you give in exchange for your soul? What's your soul worth? To Jesus, it was worth dying for. If you were the only one that would ever get saved, Jesus would have still died for you. That's how much he loves you. Back to our passage Paul goes on in verse 7, he says, what is more? <laughs> what is more? What is more than already what you, you already said? Everything that was a gain is a loss. He says, what is more? So he's, he's magnifying what he's saying. I consider everything, not just the things that were a gain to me now. He's saying, I'm not just talking about what I used to gain, the things that made me look good. Now, I, what's more, everything. Can you think about that? Everything. Everything that you think you own, everything that you have, everything that's in your bank account, everything that you ever worked for, your career, how many years of experience you have, how long you've been married, where your house is, what kind of a car you drive, everything. Everything. He says, what is more, I consider, I think, uh, everything in my life is a loss because, here's the reason, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Man, when you think about this, the, when I look at this verse, I'm like, this is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. He, everything, what is more, everything in my life, I consider it a loss when I compare it to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. Man, if we could get to that place where everything that you have, everything that you do, everything that you possess, when you would stack it up in a column next to knowing Jesus, it's garbage. It means nothing when I compare it. I'm not saying that it is, you know, hey, you got to pay your bills. Don't, don't, don't not pay your bills, guys. What I'm saying, though, is if I'm going to say, man, I'd rather have all the money in my bank account than Jesus, no. When I think about all of these things, that doesn't stack up nearly to the greatness of knowing Jesus. Is that where your faith is? Is your faith there yet? To where when you look at everything you have, it doesn't get close to stacking up to the value, the value. That's what worth means, value. The value of knowing Jesus. See, a lot of people know Jesus to the level of, I, just, I, I, I believe these things and I just don't want to go to hell. 
but it hasn't came to the pass that he's my everything. Is Jesus your everything? Or is he just a something? Hmm, right? So where we're at is he's comparing the was to the what he has now before after check this out he continues this is where it really gets interesting i consider them garbage now if you have the king james i think what what does the king james say dung right dung d-u-n-g i love this word because it means poop and i get to say poop in church right so listen i'm just being biblical here i'm just being biblical this is where like the seventh grader in me i think my wife is like oh you're terrible I got to say poop in church. You know, so he's saying everything in my life is poop. That's what he's saying. I consider them garbage. I consider it dung. I consider everything in my life poop. That I, so here's the reason why I'm considering it poop. Everything that I own, everything I possess, my career, my job, my, my, my bank account, it's poop that I may get may i want he's saying that i may gain more of christ i want more everything in my life is nothing if i could just get enough of jesus if i could get more come on where are we there yet are we at that place in our faith where god i want more of you i want more god everything in my life is nothing if i could just get a little bit more what would you give up in your life if you could just get a little bit more that's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. I'll give up everything in my life if I can just get a little bit more of Jesus. Come on. Huh? Huh? What? Now, come on. I, I'm not convinced at all yet. Paul says, I'll give it all up if I get a little bit more. What would you give up to get a little bit more of Jesus? What would you give up? What would you give up? Right? He doesn't just stop there. He goes, that I may gain Christ and what? Be found in him. He goes, I want wherever I go, wherever I go, I'll give up everything in my life if people could just find you in me, Jesus. I want to gain more of you and I want people to find you in me. Woo, come on somebody, right? Wouldn't this be, I mean, is this not just the perfect January? Is this not something like, God, I want that. Right? I mean, hey, I don't care about the weight loss. I don't care about the weight room. I don't care about the dieting. I want more of Jesus this year. I want to be, I want to gain more of Jesus. And I want to be found in him. I want to walk down the street and everyone that I walk past know that you're in me. Woo, we're going to have church today. He goes, and not having a righteousness of my own. See, here's the thing. Remember what he just said a little bit ago. He says, Concerning righteousness, I was a Pharisee. I was blameless. He's saying, no, I don't want people to think that I'm good. I want them to know you're good and you're in me. So he goes, I don't even want my righteousness to be about me. I want righteousness that's not of my own, that comes from the law, but that which comes through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That's the kind of, he goes, I don't want this to be about, wow, you really know how to follow the rules. How many of you are pretty good at following the rules? Come on, right? So a lot of, I, I can tell you, I, I am. I'm, I'm, I, like to, I like to stand on the line, but 
You know, I find that sometimes that I can really quickly become a Pharisee pretty quick. Well, I've spent my whole life following these rules. I've spent my whole life protecting my integrity. I've been spending my whole life to make sure that I do all the right things so that I don't hurt my character. That's not what he's saying here, is it? He's saying, I don't want the righteousness that comes from following all the rules. Not that, that you're like, hey, no rules, pastor said so. No, he's saying I, he, there's still a righteousness involved, but it's not about him and what he's doing. It's about Christ in him and what Christ is doing in him. Then he goes on, another part, that. So not only that I may gain Christ and be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own, but one that comes from Christ, that I may know him. He comes right back to where it begins. I want to know him. And the word here, knowing, is present tense. I want more, and I want more, and I want more. When you deal with present tense, this is a never ending. He's like, I want to know him. I want to know him. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, do you want to know him more, or are you just going to pick up our phones and go to Facebook? Ooh, I wore my boots today. Come on. Don't act like you don't, your alarm goes off and you grab the phone. I want to see if anybody gave me a notification today. You're laughing because it's true. So he goes, I want to know him. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, is that you? I want to know you more today than I knew you yesterday. I don't want to just learn something every Sunday that I go to church. I want to learn something. I want to know you, God, more today. And then it's Monday. And then it's Tuesday. And then it's Wednesday. And Thursday. And Friday. And Saturday. And God, I can't get enough of you. I want to learn more Sunday. And Monday. And Tuesday. And Wednesday. And Thursday. And Friday. God, I can't get enough of you. That's what he's saying. This is a, a progressive thing that we're seeing. He says, then, not only do I want to, I, want, may I, I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I, I, and the, oh, here's the one that we all want to leave, and the fellowship of his sufferings. <laughs> the word fellowship, one of my favorite Greek words, koinonia, and it means partnership. Oh, koinonia, K-O-I-N. O-I-A, koinonia. Koin, there's two N's in there. Spell it out. It starts with a K, pretty close. So anyways, it's all Greek to me. Don't worry about it. So the fellowship, the, the word koinonia, it means to partner. It means to associate. What, it's, what he's saying is this, God, I want to suffer like you suffered. Now here's the problem where we get into our, our faith thing. God, I want to follow you as long as it's easy. Right? I want to follow you as long as it doesn't require any cost. But Jesus has already said if you want to save your life, you're going to what? Lose it. There is a cost. Salvation is absolutely free, but it'll cost everything. That's exactly the truth. Absolutely free. I didn't earn it, and I didn't deserve it, and it's freely given to me, but it costs everything. I'm giving up my life. I'm giving it, I'm surrendering it, submitting it, laying it down. He says, Paul is saying, I want so much of you that I want to join you in suffering. Oh, but he's not done. And I also want to be conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Can you feel Paul's passion here? 
can you just like this? Here's a guy that's slaying it all down. He had a great resume. He should have been able to walk up to the church and say, listen, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I know my stuff. I'm a Pharisee. I've got scriptures memorized. I've got this going on. Here's my resume. Do what I say. And he comes in and goes, man, this resume, and he just tears it up. It's nothing. It's garbage. Everything that I have is a loss when I compare it just to knowing Jesus, just the, the privilege and honor it is. Do you realize the privilege and honor it is? is to be in this room today what an honor and privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord and worship his name for he is worthy worthy he says everything he goes and and, and everything progresses Lord that I may gain Christ be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that I may know him the power of then it gets into suffering and death So that by some means, I love that, so that by any means, if by any means, I may attain. This is not even like that I'm guaranteed, it's it's, I may attain it. He's he's talking about like, Paul's like, man, I'm I'm gonna follow the Lord. I'm surrendering, I'm losing my life. Everything's garbage. I just need more of Jesus. I can't get enough of him. I want more and more and more and more and more of it. And you know what, God, I wanna suffer like you suffered. I'm not afraid of it. You bring it on, I'll suffer well. And you know what, I'm gonna die well. I've told people there's three things that I want to accomplish in my life. I want to live well for Christ, I want to suffer well for Christ, and I want to die well for Christ. Those three things. If I can do those three things, the thing that I want to hear more than anything else in this entire world is just when I wake up in glory that God would say, well done. That's all I want to hear. You know, I don't, I don't need any gold crowns or nothing. If I could just hear that, that's all that I Well done. Yes, I did it. Okay. We did it. All right. Okay. Instead of like, well, I really wish that you would have done it differently. So let me show you through a diagram, since I'm a visual learner, of kind of if you are in accounting at all, you know, there's a gains. You know, I was starting to think of, you know, like for the farm, I have a P&L. There's a lot of loss, not a lot of profit, a lot of loss. But uh, and the, those P&Ls, like the, 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 the subtractions, there's a lot of them, a lot of them. And so, um, so when you start looking at it, but what he did is, is, here's the gain. The gain was the value of knowing Christ. I want to gain more of Christ, being found in Christ, the righteousness of Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship in his sufferings. I want to be conformed to his death. Here's the losses. He says, you know what? I don't care about my status. I don't care about my career. I don't care about a popularity contest. I don't care about my lineage, uh, the morality, um, trying, to, trying to be godly enough or good enough, uh, power, position, family, what school you went to. He's like, I don't care about any of it. None of that can stack up to what God gives me. And suffering and death is in that column. Isn't that amazing? I don't think I would put that. I'd be like, well, you know, like the benefits, the pros of knowing God and the the cons, I think the suffering and the death part would probably go into the con part. But not when you really think about it. Peter, in the book of 1 Peter, he tells us that suffering actually makes our faith more genuine, more real. And I can't get to heaven without death. Can't get there. All right. Verse 12. Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this. All this. Obtained all this. Now, yours may say attained. If you're in the NIV or, um, or, or uh, New King James, I think, says it, um, 
attained or obtained, depending on which one you're in. So, obtained all this. What he's really talking about, when, I, when we start talking about this obtaining, getting, receiving, he's talking about everything that he's been talking about, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, gaining more of Christ, being found in him, a righteousness from him. All of the things that I've been really pushing hard are all the things he says, I have not gotten all of it or have already have arrived at my goal. I think the NIV says goal. King James would say perfection or perfected. And here's the thing. Actually, let me go to the the next slide for that. So, not that I've already obtained all this or am already perfected, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. So, this is Philippians 3.12. So, he says, not that I've arrived at my goal or already perfected. Whether your Bible says goal or perfected, it comes from the same Greek word, teleus, and, and it means to bring completion. So, there is a very good value in being able to do some word studies as you, you can, you can, most of the time, you know, you can typically get pretty good information if you watch your, your Googling and make sure that you don't go to, like, you know, you, there's a lot of really good sites and there's actually free Bible apps that will, you can click on a word. And, um, and so if you, if you want one of those apps, I can, I can give you some Bible apps, but there's all kinds of Bible apps that you can click on the word and it'll take you straight to the Hebrew or Greek word. Because sometimes what we do is we put the word that we think is the closest one in there. Neither one of these words are perfect for it because really it means to bring to completion. Not that I've already been brought to completion. I'm not complete yet. I haven't reached the goal of completion. I haven't reached the goal of perfection. was not listening to me. How do you go back? Somebody must have hit a button. There we go. Thank you. I was like, I haven't got done. So when we talk about this perfection, this is a word that's often used for maturity and how we see this progressive growth. Perfect tense, again, means a past action with abiding results. It's passive, means that God is doing this perfecting work in us. Very important. God is the one doing the perfect work. So again, here's this, the, the, the signs of perfection or teleus, and, and it's, it's, it's the word of maturity, the worth of knowing Christ, the, to gain more of Christ, you know, being found in Christ, having a righteousness of Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, to join in the fellowship of his sufferings, to be conformed into his death, the same likeness of that. See, God is doing a perfecting work in me until I die. When I die, then I'm made perfect. You're like, you guys are calculating in your head. Is that true? Well, I'm not perfect until then, right? As Big Mike says, we're a chocolate mess, all right? We're a chocolate mess, but there is a process of growth that God is doing a work in me. He is doing His, because it's His work, it's perfect. Even though I'm still a chocolate mess, He is doing His perfecting work in me all the way until I die. When I die, I wake up in glory with an eternal body that is imperishable. Come on, right? 
So what we're seeing happen here is we're seeing that what Paul's talking about is this process in my life that as I, as I grow more, that there's something happening in my life. Here's the deal. If you say that you follow Christ and there's nothing happening in here, there's nothing happening in here, somewhere that perfecting work has stopped, you got a problem, Houston. We need to change something. Something needs to change. Somewhere along the way, something's happened. Whether you never were saved or you lost it, I don't even care. There's a little doctrine for you. Doesn't matter. It really doesn't. You know what matters? It's that I get saved. That's what matters. That's what matters. And then understanding that God wants to do a work that never is not going to stop. He doesn't want to do it just on Sundays. He doesn't just want to do it once a year. He doesn't want to just work in your life every other weekend. He doesn't want to do it once a month. He wants every day of your life, he wants to do a work in your life. So we get to my favorite part. Well, my, my another favorite part. My second favorite part. I don't know. Brothers and sisters, verse 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize, which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. These verses are so great, especially for this day. Number one, forgetting what's behind. The first thing, he's giving us kind of an outline. He goes, listen, God is doing this great work in you, but when we get into this part, these are some things that you can do. God is the one who's going to do all the changing. He's going to do all the working in my life, but there are some things that I can do. Maybe it'll even go a little bit faster. Have you ever noticed that how sometimes you can get in the way of growth? So maybe you're like, man, how can I let God, I want God to work a little faster. Well, then let's stop living in the past. I mean, that would probably really be helpful. I mean, how many times do we keep bringing up the past? If you've been married and you've had any issues at all in your marriage, how often we just love to bring up the past, right? Well, how do I move forward if I'm still living in the past, how well do you drive if you're only staring in the little tiny rear view mirror? Right? That's why you have a huge windshield to see what's out in front of you and a little bitty rear view mirror to see what's behind you. I'm not saying that you don't learn from your past, but you got to stop living in it. He says, here's what I do. I forget what's behind me. I cannot do anything in front of me until I stop focusing on what's behind me. So what are you dragging around in your life that you need to leave behind? Does anyone here today say, I got some things in my past that I'm still dragging around with me today? Anybody? Come on, don't lie in church. I don't want to have to change up and preach two sermons a day. All right, so most of you are saying there's some things in my life that I'm still carrying around. Paul says, here's the deal. You want to know Christ? You want to gain Christ? You want to be found in Christ? You want all of that? Then you're going to have to first forget what's behind you. You're not going to have all of that if I'm playing with dead stuff. If I keep digging up the dead things of my past, 
Well, somebody called me this when I was a kid and it's ruined my life. No, you're letting it ruin your life. Your life doesn't have to be ruined because some knucklehead said something hurtful to you a long time ago. Last week even. It's your choice. If you want to live in it, but here's what I find so many people want to do. We want to be a victim because we don't know how to be a victor. I don't know how to live a victorious life, but I love the attention. I love the attention when people feel bad for me. So I'm just going to keep bringing up all the bad stuff in my life so that people can feel bad for me. And that feels good. God doesn't want you to be a victim. He wants you to be the victor. That's why we sing victory in Jesus. So we got to forget what's behind. I love Luke 9, 62. It says, And Jesus said to him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. What he's saying is this. When God has given you freedom, when he's given you, uh, he's given you forgiveness, redemption, he gave you, the Bible even says that when we get saved, we got a new name, we've been adopted into the family of God. When you've received all of this, that if I keep looking back to the old dead life that I didn't want to begin with, I'm not fit for the kingdom that I just received. How many times is it like, okay, you're now a child of God, but you don't understand, God, this person, did, he hung up on a cross. I'm pretty sure he understands. See, forgetting is present tense. Important to know, present tense. It doesn't mean I'm forgetting one day, and then I'm letting it stockpile for an entire year. Every single day, I'm moving forward. Present tense means it's a habit. Every day, I'm forgetting yesterday, and I'm moving forward in today. When you wake up tomorrow, you need to forget the past day and move forward with what? And that's what comes to number two. Straining toward. Straining is energy. Straining toward what is ahead. This isn't like, yeah, well, I may do that and I may not. This is like I'm forgetting what's behind me and now I'm straining. I'm putting extreme effort to move forward. I'm not going to get stuck. How many of us get stuck? Right? Don't get stuck. The way you don't get stuck is you forget what's behind you and you strain. Straining is an energy thing. This is like I am putting all that I have into moving forward. And then the last here is this. I press on. I press on toward the goal, right? To win the prize. I'm pressing on. I'm not, I'm not getting caught up when it doesn't go right. Have you guys woke up and said, I'm not going to let yesterday bother me today, and then you had a whole bunch of new problems today? Has that ever happened to anybody? You forgot the stuff yesterday? You're like, it's a new day, and you get out of bed, you stub your toe, right? Then you walk in there and you burn your toast. I don't know, something like that. You know, and then the day just keeps getting worse. And you're like, man, I just forgot the last terrible day. And this, this day is just about, he goes, you know what? Forget that, I'm pressing on. I'm gonna, even if today is, is getting a little rough, I'm gonna press on toward the goal. Now listen to this. I started thinking, what goal? When I, look at the scriptures I'm so often I see the answers right there what goal what prize see 
When he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Remember that Paul said that I may be conformed to the death of Christ. I want to be conformed in his death. The goal is that I want to be changed all the way up to the point to where I'm dying in Christ. Because the prize is that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Isn't that cool? All along, he keeps pointing to the same thing. Whether it's suffering, whether it's dying, whether it's the resurrection from the... He was like, I want to get to heaven. Guys, that's what it's all about. What worth is it to live your entire life, right? To live your whole life, to gain everything in this world that the world has to offer you, to get everything that you think you wanted in your entire life to forfeit your soul. And then he finishes right here. Therefore, let as many of you as mature. That word mature, shocker here, telus. Same word that they use for perfect and earlier for goal. Therefore, as many of you who are being by God perfected, when he's doing his perfecting work, if you, you as, as many of you who will be mature, have this mind. If any of you think otherwise, he goes, if any of you think otherwise than what I just told you, then maybe God will reveal it to you because you're too big of a knucklehead to get it yourself. I don't know. I just added that part. Kind of sounds like it should go there though, right? How many times have you, have you seen something and you're like, wow, that's, I don't like that. And it's like, well, I, it's straight out of God's word. I don't know what else to tell you. It's right. I can underline it and I highlight it in a different color. I can bold it. I can put some arrows towards it. Yeah, I still don't like it. Yeah, that's going to be between you and him. I, I don't know what else to do because it's his word and you're going to probably have to, you know, like all of us stand before him one day and going to have to answer for all of these things, you know. As many of us are mature, he goes, I want you to all have this mindset. I want you to forget what's behind. I want you to strain toward what's ahead. I want you to press on toward the goal heavenward. God has called us heavenward. And I want you to do everything in your power that you will know him, gain him, be found in him. I mean, every one of these things, when you just start looking at this whole passage, he lays it all out. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. So he's like, whatever level you're at, wherever you're at in your faith, make sure that you're walking that. Don't go backwards. And then we just keep moving forward. So here's what I want us to do today. As we take time every week, I believe that part of growing is a part of our decision making. And I believe that every Sunday, if we're going to get into God's Word, we should be thinking about what we're going to do with God's words. What, in James, it says, don't be hearers only, but be ye doers of the Word. So if we're not going to be ye doers of the Word, then we gained nothing today. So I would ask you, what are you going to do with this Word? Straight out of the Word of God, what are you going to do with this? So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads.
I always stand to the side. And the reason why I stand to the side is that if there's anyone here today that says, I need to give my life to Christ. I need this salvation. I know a lot of stuff about God, but I'm ready to give my life over. I'll be waiting to the side for you. You can come straight up to me, any of the pastors that are here. I just want to make sure that you understand what it is that you're doing and to help you walk through that process. I always stand there just in case somebody says, I need to give my life to Jesus today. But we almost all of us raised our hands when we started talking about some past things that we keep dragging with us. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do is if you've got some of those things in your past, like, man, there is, and they just keep wrecking my life. I'm going to just ask you to get up and lay them down. You may have to get up tomorrow and lay it back down because the devil might try to bring it back to your mind. You just keep laying it down. Just keep laying it down. Just keep laying it down. Don't be afraid to kneel at an altar. The Bible says that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. I think sometimes we struggle with the bowing here on earth. There's going to be a lot of bowing. Whatever's been holding you in the past and not allowing you to, to move forward, let's get rid of that. Let's deal with that today on January 1st. Let's lay some things down so that we can have a a clear picture of what's coming next. And what's coming next, I want to encourage you to look at this year differently. I want to challenge you, instead of worrying about all the things, your appearance or your physical stuff or your job, what if this year you said, God, I'll give up everything to get more of you? Maybe today is a day that you need to make some decision in your heart and some commitment back to God. God, I've been giving you leftovers, but I'm not going to do that anymore.